Are we rolling? It's time for another episode of the wildly popular podcast, Chasing Meeples. Happy Thanksgiving. On today's show, Chris and Angie delve into the strategic depths of Goblin Vaults, published by Thunderworks Games. But that's not all. They're also talking about board game gift ideas. You won't want to miss this. The meeple quiz, the laughs, the insights, and the banter. It's all rolling your way, starting now. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Chasing Meeples podcast. I am your host, Chris. And as always, I'm with my lovely co-host. Hello, hello. It's Angie. Hey, Angie. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm rolling with it. I'm doing good. Good, good. Rolling Great with day. it. Yeah. I, hey, I don't mind. I don't mind. All right, good. This is the Chasing Meeples Thanksgiving episode for the year 2023. So for, for us Americans and our American listeners, we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving this month. Not many. <laughs> what kind of this week? Well. Well, yeah, okay, so this week, actually this week, yes, you're correct. <laughs> Everybody get ready for a turkey day. Let's get this uh, show rolling. What do you say? Let's get it rolling. You know, so much for no editing. Oh, no, I'm going to keep that. That's pretty awesome. <laughs> okay. It's just going to drive our listeners nuts. Why do these people keep talking over each other? They've been doing it for over a year now. They should be used to it. Well, we should it. know how to talk to. Really? So, huh? Really? Really. I didn't ever realize that that was something we were supposed to figure out. How not to talk over each other? Yeah. You know, I maybe would have been practicing it or something. <laughs> yeah, well. Sometimes you need to be talked over, though. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm sure I do. Well, sometimes I need to, too. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That's where we picked up. We roll. That's how it works. How it works, you know? Pick up the slack. No dead air. No dead air. No dead air. There's no reason for you to edit because there's never going to be dead air. Have you listeners noticed that Angie and I have been using the word roll or rolling quite a lot? Have we been? Oh, we have been. I mean, I just used it a couple minutes ago. You've been using it since we started. I'm getting, well, I guess it's in my mind. It's in my head. It's going to become part of my vernacular since every month. Chris and I are doing a segment or we're part of a board game a new board game show on Ali Reed's YouTube channel Don't Be Bored he has a new show called Tabletop Tea Time where he does bring content creators from around the world so this is an international show so that's kind of neat and they will be talking about we do have a topic each month, and it's not necessary that we stick with a topic, but this latest topic that will be that was just released was the shelf of opportunity. What Chris and I are doing is we have our own little segment. So we're going to take something that has to do with a topic and we're rolling it into a dice game. And the name of our segment is Are We Rolling? Are we rolling. Yes. I thought that was clever. Yeah, well, very clever. And you thought of that? Actually, I thought of it and it had to do something with a movie <laughs> that they probably had in the 1970s. But yeah, the old well, the, movie cameras, the old movie they cameras. used to say roll, roll, fil roll yeah. film. Yeah. Are we rolling? I, I thought that was clever. And then Chris had pointed out they really don't have those type of cameras anymore. Well, so. I don't know. Do they? I'm not in Hollywood. I have, I have no idea. Well, maybe they do. All right, Angie. 
We went to a game convention recently. Yeah, we went to Game Hole Con in Madison, Wisconsin. I think it's maybe a primarily an RPG convention. For the most part. But there is a board game presence there, a pretty decent one. They have a board game library. That's one of the reasons that we love going to something like this because we can play games that we don't have. So we did play a really cool game there. I was actually pleasantly surprised by this game. Pulled out a game that probably was not what you would expect to play at a con. It was not a con game. It was Rouge by Stefan Feld. And I had always been interested in that game. So when I saw it there, I figured, hey, might as well try it. And it was very good. It was approachable. It was good word for it. easy to figure out. It was. It really didn't take, it didn't take much. And it, unfortunately, no, not unfortunately, it is no longer available in its form. It has <laughs> now been reprinted. Um, the city collection, I think. Um, Feld is calling it, and I believe this one is Hamburg. Yeah, and it's also extremely expensive. expensive. Yeah, I think they changed a mechanism in it. I'm glad you chose that game from the lending library. What else did we do there? We talked to one of my favorite game designers, Keith Mateka, also the owner of Thunderworks Games. We met him probably in 2018, the last time we went to Game Hole Con before this year. Really nice guy, really nice guy. We got to talk about the dawn of Ulos and we talked to him about Goblin Vaults and we talked to him about a whole bunch of good stuff. Yeah, I mentioned to him that he should actually play some games for enjoyment. And he said he doesn't get much time to do that. He's working and that kind of stuff. So he doesn't play a lot for enjoyment. You did mention to him also that you are a fan of his solo modes. He makes some very good solo modes for Pencil First Games. Yep, he does. I think they're really good. He made a comment about how that they were pretty simple jobs to do. He could actually do them in a couple hours. Yeah, that, that was pretty cool to hear that. And we did something else, which we don't get a lot of time our chance to do, we played a prototype, which I thought was oh, yeah. very, very cool. I really enjoyed it. I was kind of nervous about doing it, to tell you the truth. Why? I'm a little intimidated by it. Like having somebody demo a game yeah, for you? Yeah, because, you know, okay, going into that, I usually go over the rules a lot, watch videos a lot before I play, and essentially you're playing and somebody's describing things to you once. But I really felt comfortable with the guys doing it. And I was able to say, can you walk me through this? He would ask, you know, what would you want to do? And, you know, I said, walk me through the steps. And he was really great with that. And I didn't feel intimidated doing it. And I enjoyed the game. It's not something that normally I would play or pick up, but I really did enjoy the game. And it was called Rove. So um, do you want to tell the folks what games we actually picked up while we were there? I don't even remember which games we picked well, up. Well, obviously from Thunderworks, we did pick up. The games that we picked up there were Dawn of Ulos. We picked up Goblin Vaults, which is going to be a game we are talking about. It's our review in this episode. What else did we pick up, Angie? Sky Team. Oh, yeah. Spellbook. Yeah, I forgot we picked up that Sky Team there. And Genesis. And that's a 2010 game. Yeah. So that was an interesting one. So it's not horrible. It, it wasn't a bad game. There wasn't a lot to it. I agree. As far as a lot of actions in the game, there's not a lot of stuff to do. There's like three things you can do, but it's like move. That's your action. <laughs> that's it. Move forward, move backward, collect cubes, 
spend cubes and that's really that's it. That's really it, yeah. I thought it was interesting. And you didn't spend a lot of money. I think you played it for about 15 bucks. I paid $15 for it. time it is it's quiz time all right quiz time so now we are doing our thanksgiving episode so i felt the quiz should be thanksgiving related it's not going to be a difficult one it's going to be it's like a yes no Oh, a yes, no quiz. Well, pretty much, yeah. You have two. You have you have two choices, so it's going to be each question is fifty fifty, right? This is going to be the Thanksgiving meal. Oh, the Thanksgiving meal. Yes. In your mind, if you go to Walmart and pick out a turkey, a butterball turkey, they feeds. 10 to 16 people, the average price is going to be 1834. You might want to write that number down. Really? Yes. You just took the pen. There's another one. Oh, okay. <laughs> write it down. I 18, have the pen. 1834. Here, you can use the back of that. Oh, no, I got it right here. 1834. Okay, so this butterball turkey is $1.28 a pound. So that is going to be your starting number. A dollar twenty-eight. Mm-hmm. Is stovetop stuffing more or less than a dollar twenty-eight? Does it cost more or less? That is not a yes or no question. Well, it's an either-or. Does stovetop stuffing cost more or less than a dollar twenty-eight? More. You're correct. It is a dollar ninety-eight. This is like the price is right. It is. It is. A dollar ninety-eight is now your target. Is Heinz homestyle turkey gravy eighteen ounces more or less than a dollar ninety-eight? Less. Oh, it's more. It is two thirty-four. Is Ocean Spray jellied cranberry sauce more or less than two thirty-four? Less. It is less. It is a dollar ninety-eight. I was going to do a trick question, but I thought, no, that's not nice. So I'm back at a buck ninety-eight. Yeah, back to a dollar ninety-eight. So you mean to tell me <laughs> gravy is more expensive than stuffing? No, no. Let me remind you there. These are there are some of these things that are on a Black Friday special. So the basic. Cost of the stovetop stuffing, I think, was closer to three dollars. Oh, it's, you didn't say it was a sale price. Well, some of the things are on a sale price, and some be are not. Sale prices? That's just silly. Most of them have. Most of these are sale price, to tell you the truth. I think they all were, except maybe the gravy. Del Monte, fourteen ounce can of cut green beans. Is it more or less than the Ocean Spray? Jellied cranberry at a dollar ninety-eight. Less. Bob Evans. You know what the Bob Evans are? The Bob Evans. I know Bob, Bob Evans. Bob Evans, yes. Those are the mashed potatoes. They are in the plastic tray that gets microwaved. 
we're not going to go with potato flakes. We're not that lowbrow here. So <laughs> we're going to go with the Bob Evans microwave mashed potatoes, the 32 ounce, which is the family size. Is it more or less than Del Monte green beans? Remember, oh, yeah. there are sale prices here. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bob Evans, it is less. Less than a dollar? No, you got it wrong. Oh. It's three eighty-seven. I don't know. Sometimes, okay. So sometimes Bob's a generous guy, <laughs> he and he gives be. deep discounts to you those. You overthought that. You overthought that. I did. You overthought that one. I did. <laughs> Marie Callender's pumpkin pie. Is it more than three eighty-seven? Yes. All right. We got three of those. You're busting out some big names yeah, here. Bob Evans, Marie Callender. Is Patrick Cudahy coming up next? No, that that's it for the Thanksgiving meal. No more Patrick. So you have. Dean. These are the numbers you need to remember now. Oh, I, I'm not writing any of these numbers because down. Because you're writing them down. Well, okay, you don't have to because I'm going to tell you're you. You're like literally telling me them. Well, okay. This Thanksgiving meal costs $35.14. Yeah. So... Right now, you have six points. This is a three-point question. Is it more or less than the Lego Classic building set? 1,500 pieces. Oh, it's less. Legos are freaking expensive. It is more. Ooh. It's a Black Friday sale. They are only $30. Ay, ay, ay. I'm very proud of this, okay? That was horrible. I mean, my showing was horrible. Yes. It's a good quiz. That's the end of it? Yes, the end of it. Two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve. Yeah, I made 15 points. The grand finale was, is this Thanksgiving meal more or less expensive than a Lego set? (laughs) (laughs) That was it? (laughs) It was so anticlimactic. I thought that was I thought that was kind of funny comparing it to the Legos. Okay, here, bonus, bonus, bonus oh, question. Uh, bonus, bonus, bonus. Bonus, bonus, bonus question. Now how do you pronounce it? The Walmart brand that O N N It's pronounced on. On. Okay. They have forty five inch TV. Is it more or less than a Thanksgiving dinner? <laughs> it, is, it is more than a Thanksgiving meal. Uh, okay. How I much is it? 40 inch. 45 inch. 45 it's inch. It's a 1080. 1080p on television is on sale. It's on sale. Black, Black Friday. Friday for two seventy nine ninety eight. Ninety eight dollars what $98 are you sure it's 1080p it's probably like 420p no it said 1080 wow 1080 Roku smart TV impressive $98 everybody run there (laughs) you don't have to anymore you can buy them online send them to your house well that was a great quiz Angie I got 6 out of 15 I'll take it Angie, that quiz was fantastic.
We'll be back after a quick break. Hey, are you ready to transform your game nights? I'm Gina, a fellow Meeple Chaser, and I've discovered the ultimate game night enhancer. No, it's not a rare limited edition game. It's not even a groundbreaking strategy. It's the official Chasing Meeples t-shirt. Ever dreamt of rolling the perfect dice every time? Of out-strategizing your friends in every Euro game? Of becoming the envy of your gaming group? Well, dream no more. The Chasing Meeples t-shirt is here to make those dreams a reality. While the official Chasing Meeples t-shirt is scientifically unproven to improve your gaming skills, wearers report an inexplicable rise in gaming confidence, laughter, and overall fun. Side effects may include increased popularity in your gaming circle and an irresistible urge to attend every game night. Wear at your own risk. Available now. Click the link in our show notes. Act fast, supplies are limited, and transform your game night from bland to grand. But it did bring up a good point. So it was about shopping. And what we like to do in America after Thanksgiving is shop. It's shopping season for Christmas. Some people do their shopping all year long. Others wait until Black Friday, which pretty much is an entire month now. So Angie and I decided that we are going to give you guys a little bit of our recommendations of what we think would be a good good gifts to get people for the holidays. Uh, and we're just going to call it... ideas so it doesn't necessarily have to be a board game it could be a board game accessory or a board game adjacent thing so angie why don't you start off what is a recommendation that you have for a board game gift i don't know which way i should do this if i should start low or high um so i'm gonna say i think a classic game that everybody should have is Carcassonne. Now, Carcassonne is one of those older games. It may be something that is already on your game shelf, but brand new to the gaming world, and I think it first reached the United States this year, is the cooperative version, Mistover Carcassonne. So that's going to be a cooperative, and I can't really tell you anything else because we haven't played it yet. <laughs> But I think I was really excited about it when I first heard about it because I do love Carcassonne. And it does, obviously, you can play it solo. So I'm excited about it. I'm excited to get it played this weekend. So if you would rather have a cooperative game for the entire family, that is a thing that you can get. Otherwise, I would always recommend base Carcassonne. Always. Always. So as far as games, now I have a list of eight games and I've ranked them from. I have ranked nothing. <laughs> we'll call it like easy to learn to like a little bit more advanced games. And this list in my mind is suitable for somebody who in your family or a friend who you know plays games or somebody who does not. So if you're a gamer and you want to buy a game for somebody who you would like to maybe introduce to the hobby, I think this would be a good list to start with. So my first game that I would recommend would be Century. So you could either get Century 
Gollum edition, which is the one that we have. And I think that to me, that is a theme. It's a theme thing, too, that would probably make it a little bit interesting. In this game, you, you're basically collecting and trading crystals to buy golems. And it's it's simple, but yet it's strategic. And you are trading and swapping your crystal colors in order to get uh, more valuable golem cards, which score you points at the end of the game. So it's kind of like a puzzle game where you're trying to find the most efficient way to upgrade your crystals and get your golems. And I think that would be a good game for gamers and non-gamers alike. It is that um, the Century series is a very good game. It's kind of a one of those, um, a lot of people have Century Spice, Spice, Century. A lot of people have Century Spice. Yes. A lot of people have that game. Century Spice Road. Yeah, that game. And <laughs> um, yeah, love it. I love it. So... I'm going to go my next, I'm going to kind of group two together that I have on my list because they could be stocking stuffers. Well, some things that might be good for some stockings would be maybe some booster packs, um, a lot of different card games out, but the big one right now out is Lorcana. So if you can get a hold of some booster packs, if you have a Lorcana player, they will probably be pretty excited to get some of those. As well as a neat little game that comes in a tin. It's a small dexterity game called Tinder Blocks. This was a great game. I will stick it in my purse. We take it with us when we go out to restaurants. It's a simple game. It's fun, it's cute, and it does draw some attention. In this game, there is a base card and you lay three wooden blocks and you draw a card and what you're doing is you are creating a campfire and you're taking the pieces of the campfire out of the tin. Now there are uh, blocks that represent the logs and there are blocks that represent the flames, little cubes. And you have to pick up the blocks with the tweezers out of the tin and put them on top of the fire. Some of them you have to actually stack on top of each other and put them on top of the fire. And like Jenga, whoever knocks it off loses. But you draw a card and it tells you what you have to do. The really fun part is sometimes you have to do it with your opposing hand so you'll see somebody taking their you know left hand the right handed trying to stack it up there and it's it's a cute little dexterity game it's fun it's quick I win a lot you win a lot yes <laughs> it's a fun game I really enjoy it it's funny how you said it draws a lot of attention the game does draw a lot of attention but you know what really draws attention what when we're in a public place playing that game, uh, like the last time we played it in a restaurant, we had probably the highest stack of bricks that we've had, of blocks that we've had. You're talking about when we went ever. to bricks. Talking about, ironically, when we went to the place called Brick, <laughs> the restaurant called Bricks. And Angie screamed so loud when that thing fell. She thought she had it in the bag. Oh, I yeah. She thought she had it in the bag and the tower fell. The fire collapsed. Yeah. And there were some guys playing dart ball and they turned around and did they turn around? And look, my eyes were closed. I think the whole bar turned around and looked. It was like one of those moments, you know, those awkward moments when the jukebox stops and you're in the <laughs> middle of a conversation and you say the most obscene thing and everybody looks at you. 
It was that. The jukebox yeah. stopped. Angie. <laughs> I'm surprised people didn't like misthrow their dartball things and it could have been mass chaos. <laughs> it was funny. Anyway, good suggestion, Angie. Thank you. I Thank totally you. agree with you. Ironically, the next game that I have could be considered a stocking stuffer as well. And that game is Hive or Hive Pocket. So what is Hive? Hive is a two player game. Think chess with bugs. Each player has a set of hexagonal tiles and each one of those tiles represents a different type of bug. And each of those bugs, like in chess, have their own unique way of moving. And the goal of this game is to surround your opponent's queen bee while stopping your opponent from being able to do the same to you. I really enjoy that game and I think it would be a great game to gift to somebody for Christmas who enjoys chess or a thinker, a thinker game. <laughs> it is. It is. It's an abstract game. It's fun. I like it. Who wins? I win. Come on. I win a lot. Yeah, I used to be the... Oh, we're you not going to get into this. Yeah. <laughs> I used to be you, the hive master. Until you show me the dung drop move. The beetle bomb. The beetle bomb. That's what I call it. And that is it. You've been creamed yeah. so many times since then. Yep, you wait. I didn't even think that was a real move. It is. It is. Now I almost have to play without doing it. Yeah. My The challenge is, can I beat you without doing that? Yep. And then it's more difficult. I... I'm starting to hate that move so much. Basically, the move I is, did not know it existed. <laughs> well, it's because I'm an innovator, baby. I'm pretty sure I'm not the only person that's ever done it. Basically, I take the dung beetle and I put it over the queen. And now the queen is stuck there. And then you just play your game. And then when you have one open spot left around the hive, the dung beetle drop down. the dung beetle right in there. And Angie always gets me with that move now. The first time I did it to you was priceless, though. You were just like, what are you doing? Yeah, I like that's not legal move. <laughs> I probably screamed in Red Lobster, too. What are you doing? You can't just do that. You can't just put it down there. What do you mean I can't move? Something like that. I'm pretty sure I sounded something like that. You probably did. Okay, the next one on my list here, let me choose one. I have not put them in any particular order. This is a roll and write. It is called Three Sisters. I play this game. I don't know if, have you ever played it or have I only soloed this? I have never had the opportunity to play it. You are creating a garden. Um, you will roll some dice uh, depending on the number of players. There is an action board, which is a rondelle. There's different actions like a shed action, a garden action, which you are making things grow. You have like a roll and write. So it has like a map, a garden map with different gardens in there. There's some sheds where you can get points off different actions. You can get some honey. You can get some berries. So there's different things that you can do. I play solo. So you are playing against farmer Edith. I don't like her. She will stomp all over your garden when it's her turn. But it's nice. It's simple. It's enjoyable. It is probably one of the solo games I do go to because it is simple and it is pretty quick. So that is my next choice. Three Sisters. All right. My next game on the list as we get a little bit more into more complex, maybe dare I say heavier games, but not too heavy. We don't want to be too heavy when you're trying to introduce the hobby to somebody. And that game is Fallout Shelter. So Fallout Shelter is based on the video game. 
and it's published by Fantasy Flight Game. It was published in 2020. You are basically playing as an overseer of a vault and as a person who enjoys post-apocalyptic themes, I really enjoy this game. So in this game, you're building rooms in your vault, you're managing resources, and you're keeping your dwellers happy. Kind of like the video game. You got to have happy dwellers, you got to build some rooms, you got to keep them alive. So it's a game of resource management, strategic building, and you make decisions on what parts of the vault to develop and how to basically on your turn where your dwellers are going to be. I think it is a good example of worker placement and maybe maybe engine building because as you add rooms, you get more resources and you can spend your resources in a certain way. Oh, don't forget the mutants that break into the vault. So there's mutants that break in the vault and they'll cover up some of your rooms and you have to fight the mutants off before you can um, like complete that row. Is that the way it is? That Yep. Before you can go back into that room. That room or that floor. I think you had to have them out by a certain point of the game. Yeah, I don't You got to be cleared out or something. But it's a good game. I like the game. I don't think it's got a heavy apocalyptic theme right but i suppose like the video game i so i do like that game well it's like a tongue-in-cheek it's a tongue-in-cheek yes version of apocalyptic yes exactly so that is my pick follow shelter okay let's see what am i going to choose next what am i going to choose next i am going to choose after us after us i believe was an sn release and you purchased it straight from the publisher. I had no idea about this game. I did see people on some videos talk about it. Um, and not so much talk about it. There are people that would say, hey, this is my haul from this con, this con, wherever con they went to. I got after us. I'm excited about it. I saw it being played there. And that's all I heard. I never paid attention to it after that. Until you bought the game and you were trying to give me a hint or something like that. The box is blue. Nothing. Then you're telling me there's a monkey on the box and I'm completely lost. I'm like, and then you tell me it's after us. I'm like, after us had a monkey in the box? I had no idea what it had to do with. But it has to do with a post-apocalyptic earth where there are no humans left there are monkeys are going to terraform the planet for themselves using the leftover tech that humans left behind. And unlike, I think, a normal tribe of primates, these primates don't stick together. They're going to collect tribes of different type of apes. You have the mandrel, the great ape, you have chimpanzees, and what is the, oh, and orangutans. So it is a deck building game. So you start out with a hand of tamarind monkeys and you're going to, uh, you're building your deck. So you draw a hand of four cards and you're going to lay them out in a row. And each of these cards are really interesting. Now, this, I think, is the most interesting part of the game, that the cards have cells on them or half cells on them. And when you place them next to each other, they form, I don't know what it's called. Um, there's three rows of them and you're going to activate. So you'll activate a row. 
So you'll have, you'll be able to get some resources. So if you put the cars next to each other and they complete a cell, I'm calling them a cell. I'm not sure what they are, but it's like a little, it's like a little box. And if you have completed box along the rows, you get whatever's inside of there. You might get some power-ups, which are batteries. You might get different types of resources. And there's three rows and you Essentially, this is simultaneous action. And then after that's over with, you can buy new monkey cards. So that's where you're building your deck. And depending on how many resources you have to spend, you can get a level one monkeys or you can, um, if you're saving them up a little bit, you can get a higher level monkey, which have stronger abilities or they're going to give you points and different kinds of things like that. Um, There's also a rage track that you like to use. Mm-hmm. but it's a pretty simple game and i you know i think it's maybe more of a medium weight game not not so heavy heavy that you couldn't teach it to somebody i think we learned it rather quick and it's fun it's really interesting yeah we did do a review of this game so if you want to do a search for chasing people's podcast after us you'll be able to hear our full thoughts on the game it is a game that we both enjoy and i think Angie, you are spot on. It would be a great gift for somebody for Christmas. Thank you. My game that I'm choosing, kind of along the same, I'm going to say maybe the same weight as a Fallout Shelter, happens to be the game that we are going to be reviewing, and that is Goblin Vaults. So I'm not going to give too much away because we're going to give a full review on this, Angie. I'm going to break away from the board games. And I'm going to hit your pocketbook here. I'm going to say the Ratskeller Garrison Table. Do you know which one is the Garrison Table? Yeah, it's the one that's like a coffee table, which is pretty sweet. It is. It's the one that's like a coffee table. Um, I just saw it the other day on Instagram. It's really pretty. You know, it's got some sliding doors where... A lot of things are hidden in there. So it's a very pretty table. And um, I had even made a comment because we do not have a dedicated game room. Um, so, I mean, you know, it would be a little bit easier to pop an end table in the living room. We would have no living room left with how small our living room is. Dreams. Someday we will own a game, a legit game table. I would love a game topper to put over our oval kitchen table that we be that is we play on. it is oval it's an oval table it it's an been oval, oval yeah all, since we got it <laughs> i think a game topper is going to be our best bet yeah for sure would be our best bet it's our most um possibility of getting a table because it you can take it off you can put it back on you can travel with them you know they do have some pretty nice mats to them um I think some are even lighted too. Yeah. I don't think they're lit. I don't know. Berkey. It's an idea. Berkey. I'll give you another idea. (laughs) Hey, we're not pandering this episode. Okay. We're not pandering. (laughs) We did enough on the last episode to last us the whole another year. Come on. I was going to say something funny. Like your game topper would. (laughs) And that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
I was going to say something really funny, like, yeah, hey, Berkey, you know, those game toppers, they would look really good on an audio podcast. You should send us one. (laughs) (laughs) They would. (laughs) So if you're listening, chasing meeples at yahoo.com. Anyway, okay, I got that out of my system. That's an excellent choice, Angie. A game table. That would be awesome. All right. Top that. Top that. Well, I can't top a game table. But I can tell you about another game because that's all I got on my list. And that is Dice Throne. So everybody knows I really like Dice Throne. So what is Dice Throne? Imagine a game where players take on the roles of unique heroes. Each hero has their own special set of abilities and you roll dice. So if you know how to play Yahtzee, you know how to play Dice Throne and you play cards to attack your opponents and defend yourself. The combination of dice rolling and card playing makes for a dynamic game where strategy and a bit of luck determines who wins. Can you tell Chris is rehearsed? <laughs> I am, on the other hand. <laughs> I'm just throwing stuff out there, hoping something sticks. Eh, you do good. You do good. Angie, what's your next gift idea? Oh, my next gift idea are convention tickets. Convention tickets, whether it is a cruise like the Dice Tower Cruise or a big convention like... Gen Con or a trip across the ocean to Essen or just a smaller local convention. Those would always make a nice welcome gift for anybody in your gaming circle. Con tickets are an awesome idea, Angie. It doesn't have to be for the whole con, just a day. Yeah. yeah. Just a day, right? You get a lot of good playing, game playing, a lot of good sightseeing, a lot of good Vendor hall action in one day. All right. My next pick is, of course, another game. So that recommendation is Wingspan. It's not too hard. It's not too complicated. Uh, So basically, you're playing the role of a bird enthusiast and you're trying to get birds into your wildlife reserve. Each bird has its own special abilities and requirements that you need to be able to play them. So basically, you have to be able to feed them. You have to be able to feed them and put them in their correct habitat. So you're going to spend time managing resources. And each bird that you attract will allow you to maybe create some chain reactions of powerful combos. Like the tuck action. The tuck action that... Always wins against Angie, except for the last two times we've played because she's become the wingspan master and it has now become a game I don't enjoy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I enjoy it up until we add up the score and then I get so mad. It all depends on what cards you end up with. Sometimes you don't get the tuckers. Yeah, true. Yeah, there's times that you haven't gotten the cards that you can tuck yeah so it's very card dependent yeah you play the cards you get angie pointed out to me the last time i'm 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 like digressing from this whole uh, point of this angie pointed out to me the last time we played a game i have one strategy 
for every game. That's right. And you won't vary it no matter <laughs> if you lose or not. You will not stray from that strategy. I don't even what was the last game we played that you did that? I can't remember. It was Goblin Vault. It was In-game the faction points it was versus the faction action. Fact. Or faction points. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You kept sticking with that. You weren't looking at the end game goals. So I just made a face at my mic. <laughs> oh, at the mic? Yeah. Are you sure it was mic. at the mic? Yeah, it was at my mic, not <laughs> okay. my co-host. Um, so I have one, apparently I have one strategy and if it didn't work last time, it's going to work this time. It's got to work this at time. Some that's, point, yeah. that's the way it works. It's got to work at some well, point. Well, if we play the game right, maybe it'll work. Yeah, well, we do. Okay. So that is my pick, Wingspan. Okay, my next present is I am going to choose Earth. Why am I choosing Earth? It is. You're going to give everybody the planet Earth? That's very nice of you. I am. Talking about the game, right? The world, the game (laughs) Earth. The game Earth has been something that has been um, very lauded. Is that a word? it's been compared to Wingspan. It's been compared to Terraforming Mars. There have been people online that have even said that it had ended those games for them. I did not get that feeling because I don't feel it is the same. I don't get that same vibe off of them, to tell you the truth. You are building a tableau. You have a ton of cards, but really... I think it ends right there in Earth. As you are terraforming Mars, you are terraforming the planet. So all the cards you're getting are going to be plant cards. They're going to be you know, trees and, and things like that, Earth cards. So you will be laying those out. You are creating a grid, five by five grid of cards. And there are certain ways that you can lay the cards out so that some will score off of each other. So you have that sort of chaining. You can um, build trees on them and you're building, you're stacking, stacking them up. And depending on if you get them completed, you get different points for them. But it's got an interesting action selection where you could choose an action and at the same time your opponent can pick an action as well or they get a lesser action so you're always doing something in the game you're always you're always playing so there really isn't any downtime even when you're playing two players there isn't there is nothing you're always doing something so that is it's a fun game we played the beginner stage the first time which takes out a deck of cards which i believe it's an end game scoring cards that they take out if you're a gamer if you play board games you don't have to take it out. You don't need to do the beginner game. I think doing that beginner game spoiled it a little bit because I was missing something. And that was that extra, extra oomph. You know, what am I trying to accomplish in this game? You take one of those scoring objectives out and it really kind of lightened it a little bit. So if you are a board gamer, definitely don't start at the beginning level. And that is my pick earth very good pick angie except i do think it's four by four grid it's a four by four i think it's a four by four grid yes yep 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 thinking about how you're laying it out it is four by four who's got a five by five grid what game king oh. domino does fives 
And what other another game does five by five does um Neoville does five by five? I have no idea. I, I I don't know how you're able to set up games without looking at the rule book. I do not I'm not able to remember that stuff. So the fact that you are able to recall that from memory is amazing. Something. 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 I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> All right. All right. So my last game on my list for a Christmas gift is ironically terraforming Mars, but not just any terraforming Mars. It is the Ares expedition. In this game, players represent corporations working to terraform Mars. You're going to play project cards to raise temperature, create oceans and cultivate green areas on Mars in order to make it a hospitable planet for us to live on. It involves managing resources, playing cards for effect and strategic planning to efficiently terraform the planet and earn those oh so awesome end game points. That's that's probably the most uh, out of all the games that I mentioned, that's probably the most, I guess, complex game. It's really not that complex, but it's it can be it can be AP inducing at some point in time. I chose this one over the original because I think this is a maybe an easier game to get into and maybe even easier to, to grasp than the dice game. I think the dice game might be a little bit trickier. So those were our suggestions for games or board game tables. <laughs> <laughs> uh, convention tickets. Convention tickets. Yeah. Anything that we think, well, just a general list of things that... Good board game gifts. Good board game Or gifts, gifts. for the board gamer in your life. Yes, and gifts for the people that you would like to maybe become board there gamers you go. in your life.
could be the difference between triumph and despair. So gather around, new inmates. Let the echoes of this prison be the backdrop to a tale of cunning and ambition. Or in gambling vaults, just like at your ill-fated Thanksgiving dinner. It's all about taking the right risks. Or ending up with nothing but bones. <laughs> Listen well, and perhaps you'll learn something that will help you survive. Both at the gaming table and within these grim walls. Who knows? You might even find that stealing that turkey was the best move you ever made. <laughs> Angie, we're going to talk about Goblin Vaults. All right. All right, so Goblin Vaults, if you guys remember from, you know, the beginning of the podcast, is one of the games that we just recently purchased at Game Hole Con. Mm-hmm. And since we brought it home from Game Hole Con, it has been a game that's been in our rotation. We've played it quite a few times, yeah, I would we say. We've brought it to, it has actually landed its spot in possibly uh, what I would like to call my EDC game collection, my everyday carry game collection. <laughs> A game that will probably always stay in the Jeep with me in case we ever need a game to play. So that is a, you know, that's a coveted spot, the EDC game collection. Why don't you kick off your thoughts on Goblin Vaults? Why don't we start with mechanics? We're not going to use the chase scale. Okay. I don't remember, even remember what it was. I don't remember it. I was trying to think of it before, too. (laughs) I can't remember it. So let's talk about the mechanics. Okay. Talk mechanics. Well, one of the mechanics in it is a bidding mechanic, um, which is the the primary primary mechanic is how you're going to build your vault. It's interesting because I don't think that it will work at two player and it does because at the two player level, there is a warden that plays and it's not a warden. She's not a warden. What is she? She's another fellow prisoner. No. Yeah. And then yeah. she was the warden. No, Glavrun. Yeah, she's, she's she's not the warden. Are you sure? Well, look it up. I am. I've got the book right here. I could have swore she was the warden. Mm-mm. I I I could have swore she was the warden. Okay. Well, there is a. I am going to look at. But there is another another player. It's an AI it's like an AI, AI player, opponent. but she works well. There are symbols on the bottom of the cards. There's like. It's a symbols. It's got three cards and it kind of denotes what row that she's going to take up. When you start your game, everybody gets 10 cards. They choose one card to go into your vault to start your vault off. And then you have nine other cards, which is essentially the length of the game. Nine rounds of the game. What Angie is describing is the AI player, uh, which is added in the two player games. And I believe her name is Glavrun. I think that's how you pronounce it. They always go first. So there's two decks that you run off of. There's a... Yeah. There's the deck off to the side, and then there's the uh, Glavrin's deck. She invented the game. 
Oh, did she? In, yep. in the theme? She invented by Glavrun, the Dragul's greatest wartime strategist. Wow. Goblin Vault is a game born of madness. No kidding. She developed the rules of the game while confined to solitaire for 90 days. Whoa. Yes. Yes, I want game designers out there to come up with something in 90 days. Lock yourself in a room, <laughs> no lights, and you're going to come up with a game. That's right. She always goes first. And on the bottom of the card, there are numbers basically that represent the role that she's going to bid, which was, which is the central cell block, essentially. Tells you which card she's bidding on. She puts her card there. Puts her token on top so you know it's her card. And then it's the player's turn and they will do the exact same thing. There is a bidding mechanic and there is a card in there, the warden card, which is essentially a trump card. Mm -hmm. So if you want to bid on a card and you want to guarantee you win that card. Unless the person after you plays a higher trump card. And then you don't win it. Can't guarantee you win. Correct. And then there's also a ability to underbid. If you underbid, you take a gear, you put it on the winning bid card. And then the strategy is you get to take that card and put yeah. it into your So if you your got vault. a card that you really like that you want to put in your own vault, then yeah, then you use it to underbid so you can keep the card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's pretty pretty simple, straightforward mechanics. Mm -hmm. There are limited actions that you can do, do for a round. So you can place a card. If you play a card that matches their symbols on each card that are called faction symbols, so there's a trump card if you have the warden card that's out there and you play a card that also has a matching symbol as the warden card or the trump card, yeah. you get to do what's called a warden action. So if you, let's say you've got a card in your hand that you're really not feeling too good about. You can take that card, put it on the bottom of the draw pile and take a card from the top of the draw pile. Mm -hmm. And it, it kind of gets you some new cards into your hand. And then you also, if you are the first player... Oh, and then the warden action also allows you to move cards in your vault. Now around. That might be something that, you know, you really want to do is if you have a card that you need to place in the, the first tier, let's say, and that's when you can move the cards around. Right. Because if you can imagine everybody, you have columns in your vault and each column, your cards will have a symbol on it. And it tells you that it wants to be like you're going to you're going to stack cards in, in threes and threes. threes. And it's going to tell you that this card wants to be on the bottom or the first card. Yeah. Then there's one that'll show a picture of a card in the middle. That means it should be the second card. And then the third card is the one that's on top. These are the points that Chris always goes after because everything, if you have a card in the first row that matches, that has that matching symbol, you're going to get one point at the end of the game. You know, two points for the middle row and three points for the last row. These are the points that Chris goes for every game. Well, of course, you should want to go for those points. Yeah, you do. But there is strategy to this because there are also end game goals you have to keep your eye on. Absolutely. And that's going to lead us into our next topic okay. that I want to talk about is the scoring system. So I think this game, it's kind of point salad -y. There's a lot of ways to get points. Uh, Angie, why don't you explain the scoring system to our listeners? You get points for the rows of your vaults. If you are in the first row, which is the top row, you get one point. All the cards that relate to the second row, the middle row gets two points. Every card that 
relates to the third row, which is the bottom row, gets three points, which is the third tier. There's other ways to score. Keep going. Okay. You also will get the points for end game goals. There are end game goals that relate to the factions. So when you choose the number of factions in the game, a two player game, you choose four of them. So you need to choose corresponding end game goal cards. So if I picked, I would pick if I picked like the red, blue, and green and purple factions, I have to pick those four end game goals. And of those, I randomly choose two. Each of them are double sided. So you do have some variability. I personally wish there were more goals, but this is the way the game is right now. So you can score points based on those two goals. There's also a basic goal card that's always there, which is two-sided, so that varies per game. So those are other end game goals. So those are going to be changing. Those goals change based on based on the game. Whereas the and I'm calling them in-game points, which are not really in-game points, but those are based on your vaults, your tableau. And then there's also at the end of the game for every gear token you have, you get one point as well. And then there's the faction icon. Players will then score two gears for each one of the faction icons. Like we talked about the snake, hammer, dragon, sword, or I guess arrows. You do good with this. You really do good with this. I don't. Somehow you you do score. I, I tease you about always doing the same thing. But you're really good at having the tiers in the right spot and then also having the faction symbol, your faction symbol on there. It's, it kind of amazes me sometimes when I look over at look over at you and you have it's that well put together. And that's when you kind of you it's very difficult to do that and your end game goals. I mean, I try to do in my strategies, I try to I'm doing these end game goals because some of them can really score you points, but it's difficult to do all three of them. Now, if you're trying to do those and do the tiers, so there it is kind of point salady, but you can't it's one of those games you cannot do everything. Mm-hmm. You cannot do everything. Yeah, you're right. And then the winner is the person with the most amount of points at the end. Of course, if there's a tie, the tied player with the most gear tokens wins. We have never actually got in that position yet. And if the tie is still a tie, (laughs) then you share the victory. What's next? We'll talk about artwork now. As usual, Thunderworks Games has some pretty awesome artwork on there. Okay, I have an odd question. Mm -hmm. Is this part of a lockup universe or the role player universe it's all the role player universe See, i thought lockup was different than role mm-hmm. player nope. because i don't remember like these goblins and these characters being in role player sure all this stuff is in the role player universe okay it, it's it's the role player universe taking place in the prison that the okay. game lockup is about all right okay excellent question and i'm glad i could answer it <laughs> but as usual, Thunderworks, 
they have some pretty good quality components. Cards are pretty nice cards. They're not they're not cheap. They're like a linen finish on the card. Uh, wooden tokens. The art and the theme may not appeal to everybody, but it appeals to me. I like it. They're cute. They're I like the goblins. I think they're I think they're cute. I mean, they're not sweet cute like that. Yeah. But the goblins, they, they're cute drawing. They're good. It's good artwork. Good. Good. All right. So overall, I would say that there's a high replay value to the game. I think the fact that you swap up your swap out your end game points or end game scoring conditions. I don't think it's one that would wear wear out its welcome very soon. That's my opinion. What do you think? I think it's I think. No, I think you could because I think I'd always strive to do a little bit better, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. You know, I would want to do better at building your tiers because it's depending on which you know cards come out. I think it's replay value. I think we'll be playing this for a long time. Yeah, I think. And I think as far as the gameplay, it's it's pretty tight. It's pretty quick, too. Exactly. So you, you exactly. Can get a lot of games in there pretty quick. You know, as far as as far as some pros to this game, I think it offers some. There's some strategy. There's some depth of strategy and, and your choices are meaningful. Uh, you have to really think how you're going to bid on what card, knowing that the card that is the winning bid is the one that's going to slide up into the vault. That would be your next card to possibly bid on, right? So you could either play your strategy of underbidding if you really want the card that you have in your hand to end up in your vault or play another strategic game of chess where you want the card that's on in the... I in did the, that once. Or did you do that where you lay a card down knowing it's going to slide up yeah, and then trying to get it? I do. That's a hard one. It's hard. You're, it's you're a taking hard a lot one. of chances. Yeah, yep. it's a hard one. It's always a chance. I don't opponent. really... Yeah, that's a hard one. I th only thought about doing that. I never really, really... I think I only tried it once. And I couldn't... I, you know, the only... There's only one con that I can come up with this game. And I think, I think that even though... I am playing the game with you. We're sitting at the same table. We're bidding on the same cards. Sometimes it feels like I'm playing a game of solitaire. I think it, it there's a solid there's there's just like feeling of I'm playing my own game though. Yeah. But why is that a con? I don't know. I just feel like, you know, it's the bidding phase. We don't really have as much I know interaction I think maybe there. if there were more people, it would be more competitive. Possibly. You know, if you have four people, then you definitely are. We're almost at this point where we could choose our own cart. Yep. Yep. And that's probably why I'm getting that feeling. You know, because there are points where I look at it and going, okay, which card do I want? You know, so it's like. If I didn't really want a certain card, I can just pick one that, you know, that you and Glavern, whatever her name is, mm -hmm. didn't choose. Um, if you have like four players, there's going to be a little bit more competitive. That's a really good point. It's going to be more competitive because you're always going to be trying to outbid somebody. Because mm -hmm. we don't, two player, you don't really have to do that. You can play, you know, you really don't have to play that competitive. If you have four people, then you are going to be a little bit more competitive and it's yeah. going to be maybe a little bit more intense. Intense. I don't know how intense, but sure. Maybe more cutthroat. You maybe cutthroat. I think maybe your, 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 yeah. Maybe your, your turns have more consequence. Yeah. Your choices. Yeah. Good point. I, I guess what you're just saying is we need friends. 
<laughs> so anybody want to be our friend oh. chasing meeples at yahoo.com. Yeah, if you have a game table. <laughs> oh, yeah. Only if you have a game table. Right now. Uh, that's just kidding. Okay. All right. Well, that was Goblin Vault. Angie, do you want to wrap it up with anything? Thank you for listening. (laughs) 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 Woo! Wait a just yes. As part of put a period. I would like to say to all of our listeners around the world, even those that are not celebrating the holiday that we are celebrating here in the United States, Chasey Meeples would like to thank you very much for listening. Have a great. Thursday. <laughs> I don't know. Have a great Thursday. We would have a great Thanksgiving because they don't have Thanksgiving. Yeah, so. well, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. And that's it. That's it. <laughs> what a way to end this podcast. I don't know what to do. How do you normally end it? Keep chasing those meeples. Keep chasing those meeples. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could have said that. <laughs>